I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my Big Bag of Onions. The cough made to California, broken hearts and fossil known. And through this night we'll share a lover On that dark radio Had a soul made me so lonely Hands pressed cold against the phone The young stars Now, my core desire to be liked and approved of, it might never go away. Just like your core desires might not either. But what I know now that I didn't know when I was 20 years old, praying that the real world was my answer to loneliness and my ticket to connection, is that connection isn't created by the things we go get. Connection is created by the things we go back to. So my invitation to you today is simple. Don't do something new. Find something you're already doing with your friends and families, or in your intimate relationships, or within your communities. And do that thing over and over and over again. Do it with intention. Do do it during the good times, and do it during the mundane. So when the inevitable emotional storms hit, you have your ritual to go back to. You have your very own anchor of connection.
Charles's entire farm is geared towards preserving Gloucestershire's rich food traditions, its animal breeds, cheeses and fruit varieties, which includes a selection of the county's 160 peri-pear varieties. They're taken to an old timber frame barn to be pulped. They're turned into a pear porridge which is pressed, yeast is then added to the juice and fermentation creates a drink which will become more subtle, far more delicate than a cider. However, the perry Charles makes won't be sold. Here we are. On the wall of a dark, cool barn, bottles fill an entire wall ready for two different uses. One is to wash the cheese that will become Stinking Bishop, itself named after a perry pear. What does this perry bring to your cheese? Well, it, it encourages bacteria to grow. Bacteria which is brown and very smelly. It gives the cheese a very rich flavour.
Across the aisle, the mother settled in and began feeding her baby. In a wonderful display of dexterity, she held the bottle in one hand and clutched a mobile phone in the other. Her head was bent to look at the screen. We're all busy these days, and it's hardly my business to judge how a young mum feeds her baby. Out of the corner of my eye, though, I observed her with a researcher's curiosity. Ten or fifteen minutes passed. The mother looked exclusively at her smartphone while the baby fed. The baby was gazing foggily upward, as babies do, and looking adoringly at the mother's jaw as the mother continued to gaze adoringly at her device. For half an hour as the feeding went on, the mother did not make eye contact with the infant or once pull her attention from the screen of her phone. My mind filled with questions. I couldn't help but wonder how many millions of moms and dads around the world were no longer looking directly into the eyes of their babies while they were feeding or talking to them. How will this seemingly small behavioral shift play out over time? listening to my big bag of onions.
I taught for 30 years in some of the worst schools in Manhattan and in some of the best, and during that time I became an expert in boredom. Who then is to blame? We all are. My grandfather taught me that. One afternoon when I was seven, I complained to him of boredom, and he batted me hard on the head. He told me that I was never to use that term in his presence again that if I was bored, it was my fault and no one else's. The obligation to amuse and instruct myself was entirely my own, and people who didn't know that were childish people to be avoided if possible, certainly not to be trusted. That episode cured me of boredom forever.
listening to my big bag of onions. A lavishly tattooed, many-earringed and exasperated coach driver is cleaning up an unidentified fluid from the floor of his vehicle. His passengers, an already boozy group of rugby supporters, are on their way to London for a match. Northern and Southerners commingle with the classes. The M1 motorway is the main road link between England's post-industrial north and the more prosperous south. The consensus among the regulars is that Northerners are nicer. Any ladies in your life? A woman selling American makeup calls to passing men. We're from California, she claims, not altogether convincingly. Later, she admits to being from Nottingham. After a broad exposure to people travelling in both directions, her main inference is that Londoners are rushed and grumpy. A catering worker agrees. Northerners have time for a chat, she says. Southerners do not.
Is she a clear speaker? I think Conchita, I think she obviously she speaks quite well, but I think she sounds better because she has certain kind of tricks that she uses. In tricks, what do you mean by that? She uses lots of fillers and uh, hesitation devices. For, well, for example, when she's speaking, she says like quite a lot and um, er quite a lot and you know. Now, these words don't have any meaning in themselves, but they're very useful to make yourself sound more fluent um, and confident. So, um, if you're speaking and um, you want to give the um, impression that, that you're fluent, you use the, these things like uh, uh, and um and, and that kind of thing. Obviously, you're exaggerating, you're making that, you're using this quite a lot. If you use these fillers, hesitation devices too much, it can actually sound quite irritating. Right. So they are good things to use to make it sound natural, but don't overdo it. Not too much. streets a virtual stage it seemed to me makeup on their faces actors took their places next to me and I've walked these streets in a carnival of sights to see All the cheap thrill seekers, vendors and dealers crowded around me. Have I been blind? Have I been lost inside myself and my own mind? Hypnotized, mesmerized, what my eyes have seen. I've walked these streets in a spectacle of wealth and poverty In the diamond market, the scarlet welcome carpet They just rolled out for me I've walked these streets in the manhouse as silent they can be Where a wild hand miss for profit On a traffic island stopped And he raised of saving me Have I been blind? Have I been lost? Inside myself and my own mind Hypnotized, mesmerized What my eyes have seen Have I been wrong? Have I been wise to shut my eyes and play along? Hypnotized, paralyzed. What my eyes have found by what my eyes have seen.
Have I been blind? Have I been lost? Oh, have I been lost? Have I been wise? Have I been weak? Have I been strong? Oh, have I been strong? Hypnotized and mesmerized What my eyes have found What my eyes have found In that, in that great sea Kind of old Have I been blind? Have I been lost? Oh, have I been lost? Have I been wise? Have I been weak? Have I been strong? Oh, have I been strong? Have I been hypnotized, mesmerized? What my eyes have found? What my In that great sea Carnival In that Carnival You're listening to My Big Bag of Onions. So I typically work with a lot of guys who are more left-brain dominant individuals. So they exhibit traits that are more technical in nature. They're usually in fields like technology or science or math related fields. And usually they are awesome uh, in math and science and technical fields, but not so great socially, naturally at least. So one of the things that, um, that I've created is called, and this is something that's going to help guys who are typically more left brain dominant in nature, how to have better conversations with women and people in general, but especially with women. What I found is typically these guys usually have a hard time flirting with women because, and having expanded conversations with women because they usually, the way that they talk is more succinct in nature. Usually, guys who are right left brain you probably talk in more like bare necessities you know you say only the things you really need to say in conversations to get your point across or to get the message across you know hey like for example someone asks you how was your day at work you might just say good
A lot of the initial research on dognition has focused on communicative abilities. We have seen that dogs are geniuses in their ability to read our gestures. Their skills are similar to what we observe in infants. The mental flexibility of dogs has led other researchers and me to suggest that dogs have a basic appreciation of our communicative intentions. They often use our behavior to infer what we want, and what we want is usually to help them. 
However, communication is not just visual and does not just involve receiving and interpreting information. Communication can also be vocal and require producing meaningful signals. Do dogs understand words in the same way we do? Do their vocalizations actually mean anything? And do they communicate differently depending on their audience? allowed us to understand more about children's minds than ever before. Babies and young children turn out to both know more and learn more than we would ever have thought possible. 
By the time they are three or four, they have already learned fundamental facts about how the world works. A theory of learning has to explain how very small children who can't yet read or write or even talk well can learn so much so quickly. Our ability to learn can't just be due to education or training or elaborate social institutions. Rather, it seems to be a fundamental part of our human nature. In the past 50 years, cognitive science has told us a great deal about what our knowledge of the world is like, how we use that knowledge, and how that knowledge is encoded in our brains. Developmental cognitive science has also told us a lot about how our knowledge changes as we grow older. But we have not yet understood where that knowledge comes from or how it can give us a true picture of the world outside us. Say she got my child, but it does. 
Google leverages instrumentation internally to optimize its people management by analyzing the formal, informal, and personal information its employees generate throughout the day. Google tries to know all of its roughly 57,000 employees in much more detail than is typical in a large enterprise and works to personalize career trajectories for its entire staff. Laszlo Bach, senior advisor at Google and former senior vice president of people operations or human resources at the company, points to the positive economic impact this approach generates, better recruitment, retention, and job satisfaction rates, all with an associated financial implication, then found at competitors. The code halos around its people allow Google to apply the same type of rigor to its people-based decisions as it does to its engineering decisions.
I'm Bill Lawrence. Join me again soon for another journey through the pleasures of music, words, and sound. Be seeing you. Bill's Big Bag of Onions has been produced and directed by Adrian Cohen and is a guppy production for Cone Radio.